0: Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez, where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. All right, it's time for a new podcast. So we have a new podcast today and this is a beautiful episode on Christian marriages. Uh, We also have an amazing lineup of people coming up uh, through July and August. If you've been praying for us, then I'm really thankful because those prayers have been working. We've had a number of people who've asked to come on the show and we've had uh, a number of people who've agreed to uh, speak to us so thank you so much for your prayers a big thank you to all those people who uh, agree to come as well as those people who are working for us behind the scenes those who are transcriptioning those people who help us with the hosting audio cleanup all of them so big thank you to the rest of the team as well Keep praying for us. Uh, Please do pray for our guests who make time early in the morning, late in the night, to come onto the show and uh, somehow spend, you know, 40 minutes talking about their Christian lives. And, um... Pray for all of those people who are listening. I mean, there's there's so many people out there who need prayers, who keep writing in. And it would be great if you could just uh, spend a line of prayer for somebody else, some of our listeners. Also, my book trailer is out. You know, the 10 Reminders for the Christian Single Woman is going to be released on July 6th. Yay! So, um, we have our book trailer. You can check it out on YouTube. Um, tell us what you think uh, and do keep in touch. I mean, the one thing that I would really like is to hear back from you. Uh, I keep getting emails from people but um, it would be great to see some comments to see some likes on SoundCloud or or iTunes or wherever Uh, you could always leave in a comment if you don't like something if you want something done differently Um, you will have known that we've put up YouTube videos for the Saints on series and we plan to do that in the future as well so if there's something that you like to see something that you like to see changed then let me know I'd be happy really really happy to hear from you so having said that let's go back to our our uh, podcast. We have today Mary Catherine Sparrow talking about good Christian marriages. Here's the show.
1: Okay, so my name is Mary Kate Sparrow and I am a wife. First, I am a wife and mother of four sons, ages 14 down to six years old. And I have been working for the Diocese of Arlington for, which is in Virginia, in the United States, uh, for the last ten years, doing the Conference of the Engage, which is um, a retreat that we run for engaged couples to prepare for marriage, mm-hmm. uh, we we do that along with a priest and a psychologist. Okay. So, and we've been doing that for, as I said, about ten years. And then I also own a nonprofit adoption agency that helps. Uh, Parents who are looking to adopt okay. with low, with actually Catholic couples that are looking to adopt with uh, low-cost adoption. So we provide all the services at a greatly reduced rate okay. in order to facilitate the adoption for these families. Okay. I have been married for 16 years.
2: Wow. Okay.
0: Okay. A little while. Yeah. <laughs> 16 years is a long time because um, in our own archdiocese we have. Um, I think for the first year of marriage, a 50% divorce rate. So um, I think it's a big thing. 16 years is a long time.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it's, there's almost there was this book out in the United States probably about five years ago called The Starter Marriage okay. about how so many people were just having a marriage that lasted no more than a year, and they were calling it The Starter Marriage. And it was supposed to be kind of cute and funny, but obviously it was yeah. very sad.
2: Yeah since you have so much of experience and you've been talking about uh, this uh, constantly at your retreats, etc. Uh, the first thing I want to ask you is about this call that we have of marriage as a vocation. And now just uh, introduce to people what a vocation is because it's not very common in other denominations. But um, we believe strongly that marriage is a vocation. So why is that so? And uh, explain a little about what this vocation is.
1: Okay, so obviously a marriage is a vocation, and a vocation is basically a calling by God. Uh, and we would be, as marriage, a calling to the state of holy matrimony. Mm-hmm. Now, there's first a universal vocation, which all of us have a universal vocation, and that is to holiness. Whether you're married, single, priest, religious life, anything, we all have that call to holiness, which is the universal vocation. But beyond the universal vocation is something called the sacraments at the service of communion. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, in, in layman's terms, it's basically the sacrament at the service of the body of christ to build up the body of christ and this is where marriage comes in your end goal is obviously still holiness um, for yourself but it is meant to bring others to holiness so a priest would bring his flock to holiness and a marriage you would bring your spouse to holiness at the same time you are building up the universal church so um that is how it is. And, and, you know, it's important to note that, that, um, marriage is one of the very first gifts that God gave to man. And it is the greatest natural gift that God gave mankind. And when original sin was introduced, so many of the, the gifts that God had planned for us, we forfeited. Yeah. We, we lost when original sin was introduced, but God in his infinite wisdom allowed marriage to remain. And, and that shows that it was the it was his design for the foundation of society since the beginning of time that that the foundation of our society should be that man and woman are joined in marriage
2: mm-hmm.
1: and call each other onto holiness.
2: Since you spoke about this being uh, our call towards other people and building up the church, uh, doesn't it also support the fact that um, our goal even in marriage is to look outward and not inward towards you know what's going on in your family, but rather to look outwards towards what the community is doing, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, we are called as Christians to to always be in service. And, and that service starts in marriage. You're at the service to your spouse. But then that by extension, that that goes on to the service of the community. And, and really, I mean, so much of how you support the community is through a strong marriage. For example, the cyclical nature of life is supported through marriage. Our parents gave birth to us and they raised us and now as they get older we in turn raise, will care for them until they pass away and that by by being in that service and giving that service within our own family that releases the burden on the community at large. So a good solid marriage also releases a huge burden to, the, to society, which is also a gift as well.
2: When we when we talk about uh, marriage as a whole, I know that we attend a lot of retreats here and they always say there are three people in a marriage. One is God, right. one is uh, you and your spouse. So what exactly is God's role here in, in a marriage?
1: So God's role in a marriage should always be paramount. It really needs to be the centerpiece. Piece of a marriage. Um, you know, I had a, I had a, to, to exclude God from marriage would be foolish, really, at the end of the day. And I had a wise priest once say, and I thought this was such a great analogy. He said, You have to view marriage and your relationship to God within it as a triangle, with God being the top point and the husband and wife being each of the base points. As you move closer to God, who is at the top, you naturally move closer to each other as well. So you have this gift of, of, of increasing your relationship with God and, and growing and nurturing your relationship with God. And by extension of that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: by the nature of moving closer to God, you, you grow closer to each other, mm-hmm. which is, creates a better marriage. And I always say that, you know, it's, it's amazing that God chose to, that Jesus chose to, create uh to perform his first miracle at a wedding what an on- what an honor to the sacrament of holy matrimony that he would would choose to perform his first miracle at a wedding it really speaks volumes about his importance of place that he places on marriage mm-hmm.
2: so wouldn't you say that god basically is right at the start and all through and even right at the end everywhere through the marriage or is it when People start seeing trouble or when something goes wrong, that's when people say, okay, now it's God's turn.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is unfortunately the fallen nature of man that we, we have it all figured out until we don't. Yeah. And then we're desperately clinging to, to God. But that, that's a, da- that's a dangerous gamble to take because if you have God there constantly and he needs to be a part of every day, you know, starting the day with prayer, ending the day with prayer, then you're, you know, that's a, great thing for your marriage and your marriage will blossom
2: prayer is important that's what you're saying right prayer is important absolutely um just tell them why this prayer is important and also tell them how do we incorporate this prayer because everybody today talks about working long days and they have kids and they've got parents you know they've got like multiple responsibilities but the time for prayer has been cut short so how do they incorporate this prayer into their busy lives? Well, that's so
1: true. Prayer. I would say that prayer isn't just important; it's essential for marriage. When we speak to the engaged couples, we say something that can sound kind of ominous, but but there's a there's a reason for it. We we get up to the couples and we say, you know, I can look at all these couples, and usually at each meeting, there's 180 people, so 90 couples, and we say, you know, I can get up in front of you, and I can't predict whether any of you will be happy, whether whether you'll have a happy marriage, whether you'll have Uh, a wealthy marriage, a successful marriage, the only thing I can get up here and say with absolute certainty is that your marriage, you will suffer. Mm -hmm. And that's sad, but it's true. We all suffer. And Christ in his infinite wisdom knew that we were all going to suffer. That's why he modeled suffering for us of how to handle suffering. But When the suffering comes, whether it be through the loss of a loved one or illness or Mm -hmm. infidelity or, you know, unemployment or loss of a job or anything like that, if you do not have a solid prayer foundation, it is going to feel like you're being asked to run a marathon you never trained for. It is overwhelming but when you have that solid prayer foundation when you've laid the groundwork you know you've made the field fertile when it happens it will still no. be hard but you it won't overtake you you can keep pace with it and that is the difference that is the goal and you know i just i have um a, a dear my niece right now is is giving Unfortunately, she's in her third trimester and they found that the baby had passed away. And so she has to, you know, go through the, the birthing process right now. And, and and it's obviously what was something that was supposed to be very, very joyful in her marriage is, is becoming something very tragic. And but she had mentioned that she had been going to daily mass for the last mm-hmm. seven weeks and how she just this peace. Yeah. was just there, and that's only something that can come through prayer, and and that she had laid foundation for that, and now she's reaping the rewards of having built up that great prayer life, but you're right. I mean, the the, we are busy, too busy, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, I'm always bemoaning to my husband. We're too busy. We're overscheduled. The kids do too much. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of the nature of the world we live in. But, you know, it's essential to carve out a little piece of the day for prayer. I, I went to a priest once for some spiritual direction about I felt frustrated with my prayer life. I didn't feel like I was carving out enough time for it. And he said, you know, you have to, it's an exercise of the will. You, ha- you have to grow you have to train the will and exercise it just like you would any muscle. So he gave me a little challenge. He said, okay, from now on, every first time you get in the car in the morning, instead of turning on the radio like you want to, mm-hmm. stop, stop, you know, and be quiet, be still and pray. And he said, you don't have to do it every time, but do it. And then you'll grow in strength. Or he said, Okay, you want to reach for a cookie after dinner or a glass of wine. Every once in a while, just stop and don't do it. And that's how we exercise our will and we become stronger. And as, as you become stronger, then there's more time for prayer. You're more able to listen to the prompts of the Holy Spirit that's calling you to pray. And my husband and I choose, we pray together at the end of the night. And I'm not, you know, I'd love to say that we're sitting here Praying, you know, all three, four mysteries of the rosary, but we're not. It's, it's a small prayer, but it's, it's just the, the idea that you're taking a moment of quiet together to thank God for the day and prepare for, for the next day. And, and not everyone can do the evening. The evenings can, we happen to have jobs and families where we can, we can do that at the end of the day. But for some people, it needs to be the morning. It's just the effort. God, I think, recognizes and celebrates the effort. Not necessary and you know, he, he responds to it. He knows what how busy we are. So he, he Celebrates the fact that we took five minutes to do that.
2: Would you say that? Um, you know, there's two parts to this one is your own individual prayer and one is that with your spouse or your partner and uh, Both are necessary. I think if you want to grow closer or if you if you're focusing on, on, a, on a marriage, right?
1: I have my own prayer that we pray separately because obviously he works. We don't work together or anything like that. And I spend a lot more time with the kids because he's away at his office all day, but I try and pray the rosary every day. And when I do, I I feel the effects of it. I feel the peace in my life. And when I don't, I, I'm keenly aware of it's missing, and I don't always hit the mark. I do not always pray the rosary every day. Of course, I'm great in Advent, and I'm great in Lent, and then I get sometimes lazy in the summer and stuff like that. Um, I mean, obviously, the perfect prayer is the sacrifice of the Mass. So to celebrate on the weekend, on Sunday, Mass with your spouse is it's a huge blessing to your marriage. But beyond that, if if we can shoot to to make maybe one daily mass a week together, we we try or but, you know, the bulk of our prayer life is separate. But it's it's the that evening prayer, which really does only last, you know, three to five minutes, just, you know, connecting at the end of at the end of the day.
2: So what would you suggest uh, in terms of something practical for those who are struggling? Because there are lots of people now who are on, you know, on the the very edge and they're not sure what they're going to do with their problems or their life partners. They're, they're thinking about, uh, you know, uh, annulments and divorces and separations. Uh, before they head to doing all that, what would you say you should do? I mean, what are the avenues you should exhaust before you think about all that?
1: Well, if you come to a problem in your marriage or a difficulty, a struggle or a difficult person that you happen to be married to, if it's something that a conversation cannot fix, Mm -hmm. then seek help sooner rather than later. It is much easier to unpack a small suitcase than a large one, right? And my first piece of advice would be if you, to find a trusted priest or religious sister who would be willing to meet with you. I mean, we all know priests that are really gifted at interpersonal relations, that just know people, they know how to, and they have a lot of experience dealing with things like this. Uh, Even though they've never been married themselves, they have a lot of experience dealing with this. And the added bonus is that there's no cost to it. So you're not committing to any big you know, financial costs to, to go meet with them. And, and as I said, they, they do have so much experience. They've, it's kind of like confession. I mean, there's nothing you can say that they have not heard before and they can give you practical tips. And the bonus of that is that if they do feel that you need actual medical health, whether, whether it be for, you know, mental health issues, or maybe a psychiatrist or a psychologist, you need professional services, mm-hmm. they're a neutral party that's suggesting it. So it's not one spouse suggesting it and the other feeling attacked or threatened. It's a priest, it's a neutral party that's suggesting it. And the other added bonus of that is that a lot of times parishes, I know, for example, our parish and in our diocese, if a if a couple needs counseling professional counseling services. They have, you know, worked on, um, a reduced rate. They secure reduced rates with some of our psychologists and psychiatrists who are willing to work with Catholic couples who are struggling but might not have the financial means to get help. So it's something that's good to approach them about because they can, they can oftentimes, you know, they can oftentimes set that up. They don't want any, any, at any time finances to preclude you from getting help with your marriage. And truly the number one thing I can say, especially when you're dealing with the hard times, the difficult times, because we're there, they're, they're in every marriage, It's it's always going to happen, is to make sure you're going to the sacrament of confession. It is, you know, we have so many graces that we received at our baptism and then we received again at our confirmation. So we have all the graces to lead you know, a good holy life and to be able to approach a person with a good, you know, Christian attitude. But with sin, we, as I I say, I give this example. We also teach baptism class and I, you know, I'm talking to the new parents about how important confession is. And I say, you know, you kind of got to look at confession like you threw your keys on a bed, on your bed. And then all of a sudden, all the laundry that you need to fold is on top of it. Well, when you need to grab those keys because you're running out the door because you're late, you can't find them. So you can't access it and it becomes hard and complicated. Whereas the sacrament of confession, it's like you're clearing the bed off and the keys are sitting there right for you. So when you need them, when your spouse does something irritating or inappropriate or or rude or, you know, anything like that, you can access the graces God gave you right there. The gifts that God gave you right there so that you can you cannot contribute to the problem. You can solve the problem. But and and a priest and a professional um, professional counselor is is really going to help with that. And there's really no shame in it. And I think that that is one of the blessings we have now, of of where we are at. We it's not shameful to say, you know what, we need help. Let's get help. We care enough about this marriage that that we're working through some stuff. Yeah. And at the end of the day, nobody really needs to know. Yeah. But but it's but there isn't that stigma. That that it used to be. You know Everyone doesn't have to pretend that everything's perfect. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, when when exactly do you seek help? Like for example, if you're just starting to see a problem, whatever it may be, uh, is that when you actually um, uh, go to a priest? Do you go alone? Do you take your spouse? I mean, what exactly do you do? I mean, you when you just start seeing an issue, or you feel uncomfortable, or there's something going on. Well,
1: first talk to your spouse. That would be my. As I said before you know just try and have a conversation with your spouse that is the first and and if it doesn't go well and the spouse is coming back at you with really feels that you're the problem then I would I would I would set up a meeting to meet with your priest first by yourself Mm -hmm. let's see if if I'm if I'm the the factor here or I'm the issue here obviously in certain situations like infidelity and stuff like that you're talking about you know, it's a much more extreme example. But then, if um, you know, if you really, if you feel like you're doing this work, but it's not, it's not getting better. There's no healing that's going on. Then it's time to to meet together with the priest, as as long as the spouse is willing. I mean, we're, unfortunately, we've all known marriages where one person wants to work on the things that are they're struggling with and the other person doesn't. And that's a real cross to bear. And in that case, you can really only worry about, you really just have to work on yourself, grow in your own holiness, go to counseling yourself. But it, but if your spouse is willing, as I said, anything that you can do earlier is better. It will it will help so much more to, to come at the the beginning of the problem instead of waiting until the problem has spiraled out of control. And it's just taken over the marriage and the family. And there's a lot of poison that has leaked in there. And that's that's much harder and resentment that's much harder to get rid of. So, so yes, being kind of Johnny on the spot and realizing, okay, I see an issue that's forming here. Let's go ahead and, and get to the bottom of this. So it doesn't grow is, is very wise.
2: I also wanted to ask you uh, spiritually and otherwise, you know, how do you make or build a good Christian marriage? I know we have a lot of listeners who are single. So, Mm -hmm. so if they're planning or they're contemplating marriage, Uh, What are the things that you should do to make or build a good Christian marriage?
1: Well, first, I would recommend just basics here. Come into the marriage when when you do get married. Come in with a spirit of flexibility. You and your spouse have both grown up in very different situations, maybe different cultural situations, maybe different religious situations, many different things. So come in with a spirit of flexibility in terms of, you know, do you, for example, just even something as simple? I remember my husband and I getting in an argument when we were first married about loading the dishwasher. I mean, it's ridiculous, but we just had very different ways that we grew up doing it. And it, that sounds so, so petty. But, you know, you have to be flexible with little things like that. Okay, well, we both grew up in, in very different ways, and and we're coming together to form a new family, and let's be flexible. I think a lot of times, unfortunately, the women view the man as needing to be flexible about everything, and the women, well, this is how my family did it, we did it right, and, and I feel like that's kind of a real burden that a lot of women, in my experience, have placed on a man that that her family, her upbringing trumps everything. And, and so then, you know, you're, you're, it's a bit insulting to Mm -hmm. the husband. And so I think that, and then the other thing I would say is just to, you know, a lot of people view marriage as based on things you had in common, Mm -hmm. but maybe someday you won't have in common anymore. And we all know couples that have get divorced and they say oh well we you know we drifted apart we didn't connect anymore well that didn't just happen one day that was allowed to happen slowly bit by bit over years so what you have to do in marriage to create a good strong Christ of marriage in addition to prayer is to wake up every day and make decisions that orient yourself towards your spouse you know, to find compatible things, to always be looking for, now the, the best marriages I, I see are ways that they have found new passions together. They have, you know, picked up a new sport or a hobby they like or found new, a new place that they both like to travel to together or met new friends as a couple, you know, those kind of things or, or got involved in even my husband and I doing this This conference for the engaged, for engaged couples. Mm -hmm. This is something that we, we found we love to do together. So we're, you know, you're constantly searching for things. You're not looking for things that you like to do separately. Of course, you'll have things that, you know, I'm a big reader. My husband's not as big a reader. Things like that. But you're, you're always on the lookout for ways to, to find new passions Mm -hmm. together that will keep you close and keep you both enjoying similar things that will keep you compatible. And I had uh, one of the conferences that we do, we work with a psychologist who, who really, I think, now after being married 16 years, he gave the best marital advice I have mm-hmm. ever, the most best practical marital advice I have ever heard, which he said, as a woman, if you want to talk to your husband, don't force him to talk like a woman. Women, when women talk, we sit across from each other, right? We we meet at a coffee shop or whatever. We like to face each other. He said, take a look at any man talking to another man. They are looking at something. They're looking at a game. They're looking at a television. They're looking at a grill. They're standing side by side because he said that's how men are comfortable speaking. So he said, if you want to speak with your husband, if you really want to have a good conversation, go for a walk go for a drive in the car, you know, even laying in bed at night, just staring up at the ceiling. He said, that is how you're going to, you have to meet a man because women, we can talk, 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 right. But a man that's not there. Most men are not inclined to that. So if you want to have that, find, go do those things. Don't force a man to talk like a woman. And it was hands down the greatest piece of advice I have ever heard because it's so true. So I think just practically speaking, you know, that Little things like that, like um, between finding similar passions and and just figuring out a way to meet, communicating with a man where he's at, really help in marriage, to build a strong marriage.
2: What about spiritually? I mean, other than prayer, is there anything that people should do spiritually to uh, build a stronger marriage? You know, getting
1: involved. I would say getting involved in your parish. I don't, you know, I don't, I can't t- speak to the parishes of anybody listening, but we have a very active parish, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why we belong to it, because we wanted an active parish. Mm-hmm. We have something called Teams of Our Lady, where married couples get together and have mm-hmm. dinner and talk about a, um, a religious topic once mm-hmm. a month. And we personally, we have gotten together with a few couples who we invite a priest over for dinner, you know, every six weeks or every eight weeks, a different priest from our diocese. And just say, come for dinner and talk to us about whatever you want to talk to us about. Mm-hmm. So that's beyond the daily prayer. It, we, we really, we love to have priests over to our house mm-hmm. and, and spend time with the sisters and doing, you know, mission work for the church, you know, local missions because we have young children, but anything like that. Uh, you know, and, you know the church is meant to be the centerpiece, yeah. the center of the community, of your community, right? And if you, if you act like it is, then that's good for your family. It's good for your marriage. So you're anchoring yourself to something that is greater than you.
2: Tell us uh, a little bit about your, um, your retreat programs or whatever is going on right now that you want to highlight and tell, um, or invite people to. Well, so we, the conference
1: of the engage, as I said, is, is, is retreats, but it's, well, I mean, you can come to it if you're engaged and you live in Northern Virginia, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's a day long retreat where they really, our diocese had found is that people were really poorly catechized, as I'm sure you understand. Yes. And so we have, we go through the whole day and it's a long day, start with mass. And we talk about things like communication, parenting, finances, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But then we also have, they always pick really amazing priests to give talks about, you know, the right of marriage, first of mm-hmm. all, but also with why, the why's of all of the teachings of the church and for you know, out of a group of 180 people, mm-hmm. a, I would say a good 75%, this is the first time they're hearing this, sadly. I mean, it's getting a little bit better because the younger priests, or, and our diocese is a great diocese, but but for a lot of them, you know, they're hearing these these beautiful teachings of the church for the first time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would just, my advice, so we have one of the priests that does, uh, his name is Father James Searby, and he's... Um, here and he, he does weekly chats and he posts them online, kind of like this podcast, except for he's not talking to anyone. He's just talking to himself. You know, it's basically like a homily, but you know, finding a priest, you know, pe- people love Bishop Barron, finding a priest that you really connect to and listening to him is, is, you know, you can take your own little retreat driving to work.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? Or your podcast. Right.
2: <laughs>
1: One of the priests that we teach baptism class with, he said, you know, if you want the people around you to have the gift of faith, you have to possess it first. You can, it's, it's not possible to give a gift that you don't possess. That makes no sense. So, you know, by, by working on and building up your own faith,
2: mm-hmm. you can, give, you you can
1: give, yes, you can give it to other people.
2: So if people want to find you, Mary, I mean, online or they want to speak to you or they want to get in touch with you about all of these things, where can they find you and how can they do so?
1: Oh, well, that's sweet. <laughs> um, I, I mean, the, the easiest way to get in touch with me is to, I have, you know, through my adoption agency, which is SiennaAdoptionServices.com, uh, named after St. Catherine of Siena, so S-I-E-N-A. Um, Adoptionservices.com and there's a, you know, a contact us email link that you can email, but that, that's the easiest way. I haven't started posting a lot of other stuff yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> we've been, we've spent, we've spent the better part of two years setting up this agency and making sure we were in, in you know, with state laws and all that kind of yeah. stuff, so it's really dominated the last two years.
2: Are you on Twitter or any on Facebook or something? I am like- on I
1: am on Facebook. Uh, Mary okay. Kate Sparrow, S P A R R O okay. W. See my my picture with my four boys up there.
2: <laughs> all right. So thank you so much, Mary, for agreeing to do this because uh, it's really hard to get people on a podcast, and it's even harder for people to talk about their faith for some reason. So right. I want to say thank you so much for coming and uh, making time out of your busy day
1: to... Oh, no, thank you. I mean, this is the evangelization, right? This is the new yeah. evangelization. I, I can't thank you enough for, for taking part in it and taking an initiative to, to bring the beautiful teachings of the church to, to people. <laughs>
0: If you'd like to get in touch with me, you could tweet me at Pamela Q Ferns. I'm also on Facebook at Pamela Q Fernandez. So see you next time. Until then, God bless and take care.